Well, this is it. 21 shopping days left till Christmas. And I just want to remind you that Medtronic is the proud sponsor of this Inside EMS podcast. Every emergency call brings a new opportunity to make a difference. Learn how capnography monitoring from Medtronic can help at medtronic.com slash EMS. And the person who makes a difference for me with 21 shopping days left till Christmas, because I get to scratch him off my list every year, because I don't buy him a present, my good friend, Kelly Grayson. KG, you ready for Christmas? Uh, no, not even in the slightest. Not even in the slightest. I'll probably be doing the, the standard thing uh, somewhere on Christmas Eve, uh, desperately shopping for Nancy. <laughs> you don't know what you're getting her yet? Uh, no, I do not know what I'm getting her. She's a hard woman to buy for. Come on, she really I can't, is. I yeah, can't she, is. So. she is. She is. She's a hard woman to buy for. Unless it's, you know, there's only so many diamond tennis bracelets she can buy for someone. And, and uh, I have yet to buy the first one because she already owns a couple diamond tennis bracelets. So I I don't know, man. It's well, just, I would, she, she's a hard woman to buy for. Come October, I would steal her tennis bracelet, make her think she lost it, and then put it in a box and give it to her for Christmas and say, I think this is one you had. I think you had this one, didn't you? I tried to find it. Yeah, this is. Yeah, that's doable because it's it's very easy to make her think she lost it because she loses things. How about a nice uh, a nice romantic weekend somewhere? A little wine trip? Yeah, you know, yeah, a, little, a little a uh, little. I'll tell you what, man. The listeners, if you have an idea what Kelly should get Nancy for uh, Christmas. Go ahead and send us an email at the show at ems1.com or go ahead and put it on our Facebook page. And uh, let's see if we get something good. You know, we you got to get something good for that. That woman is going right to heaven, I'll tell you that. No purgatory. Something good that's affordable. Well, come on. I mean, as much as you were, if I had all your money, I'd throw mine away. Yeah, yeah. So we got an email this week. We did a show a couple weeks back on the Medic Alert bracelet. And we got some really great feedback, and one of the uh-huh. and one of the emails that we got did spark a little bit of discussion between you and I about the use of apps. And uh, but go ahead and touch uh-huh. on the email, and let's get into this discussion. Yeah, we got a got a email from a list, uh, listener, James Alexander Baker, and he asked um, when he was uh, when we talked about medical alert bracelets, he asked uh, if we use the medical alert feature. Uh, on iPhones or if we use any other apps or, or think to, to look for that sort of thing um, when we deal with unconscious patients. And, and quite frankly, my answer was no, I, uh, but I should. I, I really should. It got me to thinking. I, I know uh, that's scary thought for you, but it got me to thinking how often do we miss things simply because we, we, we don't think to look for them. We, our, our mindset doesn't, doesn't include uh, electronic information and that sort of thing. So, um, what do you think, man? Do you, uh, you know, it's probably been a while since you've been on the street, but would you think to check somebody's iPhone for their medical information? I got to tell you, man, I think that, you know, we had this thing going on a, a couple years back, a few years back with this ICE in case of emergency number. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you remember that, but there's this big thing where you would put in your yep. contacts, ICE, and then from an EMS provider standpoint, we would go and find the ICE and then we were able to call that person and say oh my god there was this really bad accident hurry up and get down here just kidding and um but one of the things i think have become challenging is back then it was a lot easier to get into people's phones nowadays the Mm -hmm. fbi can't get into people's phones because of encryption 
So when we start to think about the use of the Medic Alert apps, so when we start to lo- think about the ICE, because I still got I still got an ICE um, contact in my phone list, but I don't know yeah. who, who the heck is going to see it. But I would think that there needs to be able to be a way, at least on the front page of your phone, that even if it's locked, there should be an ICE number, there should be a medic alert number that, you know, because when you hit your, when you hit your, uh, when you hit your iPhone when it's locked or whatever it is that you have, it, it, it at least goes to that screen. And there yeah. should be something that we should be able to put on that screen that I think would truly be a benefit to the EMS provider. Now, one of the things that I think we have to, you know, we have to consider in trauma is, where is that phone? A lot of times when there's an accident and somebody's in their car, their phone's never really in their pocket. It's usually under their leg, or it's usually in the seat next to them, or it's usually in the cup holder. Where does it wind up in in an MVA or something like that? So I think that there is promise to this, but I think it does open up a, a Pandora's box to find a can of worms as well. (laughs) <laughs> you are the master of the malaprop. I, I I just got to wonder. I mean, I have such an app on my phone. I've got the uh, the Borg's um, uh, ICE app that lists my emergency contact info and relevant uh, medical information shows up on my lock screen. Am I the? But the am I the? Am I the in case of emergency number? Uh, no, no. Okay. You're the don't call under any circumstances. I see. Number. Okay, thank you. Uh, <laughs> I hope to be in the ground for a couple of days before you find out. Uh, oh, lovely! So I'll take that. I'll take that money you owe me now. <laughs> but but interestingly enough, um, I noticed in checking my app that mine is wrong. Uh, on my me- medication list, it says that I'm taking aldactone and lenoxin, neither of which that I take. Um, or it says I'm taking aldactone and I'm allergic to lenoxin, neither of which is true. So apparently I, I, I butt entered some information at one point or another. Um, but uh, as our, our listener pointed out, there, there is also a, uh, that app is also built into, the, into current iPhones. You can, you can access your, your uh, uh, medical information, set it up on the lock screen uh, for your phone. So um, I just, I, I got to wondering, you know, that's not in my mindset, even though, you know, we, we talked about it before and, and, and you think, okay, yeah, that's, that's something useful. I'll file that away. But I'm, I'm not of a, I guess, I don't want to say a generation because I don't want to paint this as a, a Gen X versus millennial and you kids these days with your gadgets kind of thing. But I wonder how often, um, how many of us actually look for these sorts of things because there's a wealth of information there. I store oodles of information on my iPhone about my, my health and fitness and my, my, my uh, fitness apps and my health apps and, and everything else uh, accessible from my lock screen. So what about you, man? Do you, do you have that sort of information on your, on your lock screen on your phone, like uh, allergic to work? Um, uh, <laughs> they call me. Love, call me. long walks on the beach and sunset. That's right. I got, a, I got an eye problem. I can't see myself going to work today. Um, you know, I think that I, I do have that on my on my screen. I'm not somebody that you know uh, needs insulin or that can go into a, a um, you know have, be hypoglycemic or have seizures or anything like that. But I think just really quick, uh, you know, if I'm unconscious, people will know my name. People will know how to reach uh, my um, next of kin. Uh, also, I have my average blood pressure on it. Um, uh, resting blood pressure on it, resting pulse rate on it, um, and I have the medications that I take. 
and I don't know when that comes in handy. I don't know if that's going to be needed. I mean, if I if I fall down a flight of stairs and I accidentally get intubated by Kelly Grayson, you know, I think and, that yeah, yeah, I think that uh, when, when is it really going to be needed? Because if I'm unconscious, uh, secondary to an MVA, secondary to a syncopal episode, the information that's on there, the only thing that really is going to be useful is who to call to say uh, we're on our way to the hospital. But uh, you know, I'm with you 100. percent I don't know that in my mindset of of you know, and I got to think that a lot of the, a lot of my action as a paramedic at this phase in my career, I'm sure as it is in yours, is second nature. And yeah. I know exactly. I, I do the same things all the time throughout my calls, whether it is a medical call, whether it is a trauma call, or you know, cardiac, so on and so forth. That I've become so second nature that I don't know that I've ever done it, and I don't know that I the old dog new tricks. That I would mm-hmm. go. That I would go to it to look. I yeah, uh, that's the thing. I, I don't. It's not intuitive to me. You, you you do the same thing so many times that after after a while they become muscle memory and and you know you 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 look for your your patient's insulin in the refrigerator and you look through their their on their bedside table and and or their medicine cabinet for their medications. You know where to look for a, a purse or a wallet and do a wallet biopsy, but. You know, I, I think a certain uh, demographic just doesn't think to look for the electronic information stored somewhere. I know that it's always been a very pleasant surprise for me when I find that sort of thing. I've had patients that uh, had one patient in particular that kept uh, kept his all his medical info, and I'm talking old twelve leads and uh, and uh, old EK, uh, old twelve leads, chest X rays, CT scans, the whole nine yards uh, on a thumb drive. In, uh, that he wore on, on a chain around his neck. Uh, he had a pretty extensive medical history, but, man, you could pretty much get all of it, uh, all the relevant stuff, um, right there, just plug it into a computer. Now, I I'm, I'm, would imagine people probably afraid of viruses and whatnot with that as well. But do you use any other apps? Uh, I mean, aside from just uh, gaining information about your patient, we were, we were in a critical care class um, uh, refresher last week, and we were talking about... Uh, uh, ventilator calculations and, and, and how to, you know, some of the new guys were, were questioning if there was an app for determining uh, tidal volume and whatnot. And, and it surprised me how many people did not use an app like that. Um, because I've gotten to that point in my career, in my life, where I, I have to offload stuff out of my brain. I can't, I'm not feeling, uh, I've, I have to offload stuff out of my brain because uh, more stuff won't fit in there. If I if I jam one more piece of useless trivia in there, uh, a drug calculation has to come out. So I That's have funny. to, uh, you know, I have to um, to do a little cognitive offloading um, and and use these apps more and more, more often. It's just it's, I'm not conditioned yet to look elsewhere for a patient's information, but I'm not shy about looking up stuff on my on my computer. But you find a lot of people, particularly medics of my generation, who think that's a that's some kind of sign of, of weakness or incompetence yeah. on the part of a medic if he has to look stuff up. You ever run into that? You know, I used to carry a little, uh, you know, a little flip chart in my in my pocket, like everybody else. You know, one of the things I would do as a best practice, like on the way to a pediatric arrest or something like that, I would open yeah. up the book and because you would hear two year old. 
not, not breathing or whatever it was and you would flip the book over and I would say okay first dose of epi is this second dose of epi is this this I need a I'm gonna need this tube and this blade um, so we would kind of know we wouldn't have to guess when we got there we kind of yeah. got it out and I would kind of scream that out all the time as a best practice on in route and uh, so that became very helpful you know to me one of the things that I used to say all the time and this is going to go into your answer but one of the things I used to say all the time is that um, that IV pumps make paramedics lazy because they don't have to remember drug calculations anymore and I came from the era of learning how to do uh, dopamine infusions in your head uh, as mm-hmm. you, you know, as you needed to, and it's not as hard as you think it is. I mean, you just need to. Yeah, know that. I can still do that. And people yeah. think it's witchcraft. You know, it's you know, you just know, fifteen drops is four hundred. You know, eight hundred drops is thirty, yeah. and then so on and so forth. Yeah, I just need to know how much the 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 person weighs and sticking in there. But we use the clock method to mm-hmm. figure that out. But I used to say that, it, you know, IV pumps make paramedics lazy. Lazy, but that was the old dog in me to say, you know what, I don't have to know it anymore. I had to learn it because it was something that was part of my job to learn all these drip calculations but now i don't have to learn it anymore so on my phone do i keep anything like that the that reminds me of you know i keep things that will keep me fresh and and that will um challenge my mind um but i don't know that i would put on my phone i, I remember i had on my phone one time uh protocols so i remember when that was mm-hmm. the big thing that we were able to have protocols and um, I think that was the big thing that I used to use all the time. Instead of going to a book, I would go to the phone. And then I found myself having to say if there were people in the back of the ambulance, I'm looking up a protocol so I could see, you know, the best way to treat. Uh, and I felt a little yeah. weird about that as well. So um, I don't know where I was going with that, so I'm just going to give it to you. Well, you know, I, uh, the reason I was asking is because I, I find myself using these more and more often these days and, and, and encouraging my students to do the same. Now, this is one thing that back in the day when, when we taught ACLS classes and we spent inordinate amount of time memorizing a bunch of algorithms and then, and then testing people on their ability to parrot those algorithms without really caring whether they actually understood uh, what they were talking about, um, and and AHA starting allowing people to use their their little uh, ECC pocket guide during their mega code scenarios and even during their written tests, a lot of people just just bemoaned that and, and uh, the the dumbification of the course, and and I came to to uh, change my thinking on that because it's one of those things a wise man once said that you know why, never stand on the quicksands of memory. Um, if you don't have to, and, and the whole point of a pocket guide or an, or an algorithm or something like that is it's there for people who have poor memories. Um, and there's no sense memorizing something if it's already written down for you somewhere. Um, it's much better to devote all that brain power to problem solving and, and code choreography and, and communication and, and a collaborative approach to resuscitation rather than is memorizing a bunch of, of, of dosage trivia. Um, I think in a, in a arrest, you probably need to be able to spit out the doses of the most commonly administered medications without too much thought. But I've always told my students in ACLS classes that all the good stuff is not printed on the algorithm. 
that's the heart of, of resuscitation is not what's on the algorithm. It's all the troubleshooting and, and the conditions that go into uh, that go into the formulation of that algorithm and, and the thinking that you have to do that's not already written on the page. And I think a lot of people miss uh, uh, don't understand that. Uh, and, and as a result, make their jobs a heck of a lot harder yeah. when they could some, utilize some technology and make it a lot easier. Do some, some as Ginger Locke calls it, do some, some good cognitive offloading uh, and, and devote those brain processes to, to uh, um, critical thinking and clinical decision making. Yeah, and I want to come up with, if we can have an app in EMS to make our jobs easier, what would it be? So think about that a second. But I want to talk about certainty in uncertain situations. It's one of the things you need to do your job wherever you are. And it's why Medtronic offers capnography and pulse oximetry monitoring solutions that are designed to give you an early insight into your patient's breathing. Act faster and intervene sooner. Find out how at Medtronic.com slash EMS. So, Kelly, you know, I kind of asked you, you know, what would be the app that we should come up with that would make our job easier as paramedics? I will tell you, one of the ones that I had on my phone for the longest time, especially when I was teaching critical care, was um, I would be able to take the blood gases, I would be able to put it in, and it would tell me what type of metabolic respiratory acidosis, whatever it was. And I thought I that just was- used the Rome principle. <laughs> Oh, do you? Well, yeah. I mean, I think it's, I think it's. But really, there you go, old school. You know, no, no I'm with you. How many, how many neurons did I waste memorizing and, and and applying the Rome principle when I could, when I could look it up? But one of the reasons I used to do that, and I had it on the app, was because I used to do like a Jeopardy thing. So I would put the class yeah. half on each side, and I would be able <laughs> ah. to, if, you know what I mean? So I'd be able to punch them in really quick to say okay this is what you got what is it and it would be like a quick thing so I would use it almost like a, a mm-hmm. teaching tool but I thought that that was pretty cool and it was a lot better than me having a piece of paper or trying to figure it out and then I used to use you know one of the things I did for in my classes paramedic classes critical care classes I didn't teach EMT very much was I gave them a lot of quizzes every day so every day I would give them three drugs that they had to write the drug dosages indications contraindications mm-hmm. Uh, and things like that so it, it helped them with their scores at the end of the class that but I would do the same thing with uh, drug calculations I would do the same thing with um, you know with ABGs and things like that so it can just kind of kept their average up so any tool that what I would have been able to use to when I did you know the jeopardy type of thing or when I did the um, mm-hmm. uh, you know line them up on each side to see what side of the room wins kind of thing uh, I love those apps because I think they made my job easier and really I think more fun because I was able to do things quicker um, than having to write them down or figure them out yeah you know why do you think it the the attitude persists uh, that we have to store all this information and memorize it and and that's what makes uh, learning meaningful and and that sort of thing well, I think the that's, memorization of it, trivia yeah. rather than the application of of what it is we do but that's um, how we were taught man we were taught very yeah. you know it, but it, it, but it's yeah and it, it, but it persists even today even though we've had a generation now and, and now on the second generation of people who don't store and process information that way but what's wrong with it but what's wrong with it, really? I mean, if you ask, because, if you ask me, you know, uh, uh, I don't know that I have the knowledge anymore to give you the, you know, the loading dose of percatamine, twenty to thirty milligrams per minute. Um, but you know, why do, <laughs> why, why is that bad to know? You know what I mean? So, 
uh, you know, or to a max dose of 17, you know, milligrams per kilogram. Milligrams per kilogram. But, you know, the point is, is why or is that... Or until the QRS wide... That's right, baby, that's right. Or the arrhythmia persist. Uh, Did you pull... You pulled, you, hypotension occurs. That you pulled the book out of your pocket, didn't you? So, <laughs> no, but, but let me but ask that, you this question now. But why is that bad? Why is it bad? I mean, does it make a difference that if we don't have that knowledge and information, we're going to have to find it. I think when we were learning, and I think you're saying that it still is that way today, you know, we're taught in a linear process. We have to do this, we have to do this, we have to do this. And it was a lot easier to memorize drug dosages. It was a lot, when I say drug dosages uh, for administration, you know, even if we were going to give a medication, you know, before we went to the, you know, the preloaded syringes, we had to draw Mm -hmm. that stuff up and we had to give it. And um, so I think that when we say, you know, uh, 0.3 milligrams of epinephrine for, you know, sub-Q for anaphylaxis, um, why does that hurt to know? Well, I, I don't think it hurts to know, but, but there comes a time when, when a procedure or a skill or a cognitive process becomes so involved and complex that you need to simplify it. Uh, Atul Gawande. Uh, in the checklist manifesto, you know, told the story of the unflyable airplane. Uh, this this airplane was considered unflyable by the test pilots. A number of them crashed. Uh, it was uh, it was considered uh, too dangerous and too complicated to fly. Um, yet, with the with the development and application of of a uh, pre flight checklist, which was really not done all that often in aviation before that. Uh, the airplane became manageable to fly and went on to become the B-17, which are, you know, arguably changed the course of World War II um, and, and is, is one of the, the most renowned airplanes ever to fly. Um, but that whole thing about the checklist, and, and you know, he, he shows applying it to preoperative checklists and everything else that we do. But isn't that what, isn't that a good thing that we don't have to rely on on um, memory, when we can refer to that and, and we avoid the, this problem of, of task saturation and the, and the uh, potential of a medical error, uh, when we can consult our references, know where they're at, uh, and, and not make those mistakes, and then devote all that brain power to, towards something else like critical thinking. Should I even be doing yeah. this in the first place? Let me ask you this. Uh, helping manage the other members of your team. Well, let me is, ask you this is a question. Huge part of what paramedics do. How do you think it makes the family feel when we have to go to a flip book or when we have to look on our phone for some information or flip through pages in a protocol book or whatever it is? So one of the things that I think, I don't remember if it was taught to me or I don't remember if I taught it, but does it instill confidence when you have to go to a third whatever to find information, how does it how does it make people? Now I've seen doctors do it in the emergency room. I've yep. seen, you know what yep. I mean. So it's not like it doesn't happen. But uh, where does the confidence lie when you have to flip through a book or go through your pocket thing or you know look up an app on how to do something? I mean, you think it instills confidence in the people who are watching you? I think it doesn't hurt confidence at all if you if you approach it right. First of all, you know, imagine yourself not doing those things and and cre- and uh, committing a medical error. I haven't memorized. Uh, or, I don't want or, to, it wouldn't be in there. Uh, I'm, I'm memorized. Yeah, you had it memorized. Okay. Um, but what if you had it memorized wrong? Ah. Why does it got to be wrong? Never, you, Just because it's not you your never, point? You've never gotten to something confused. Okay. But 
I, I don't know. I don't think I, I don't buy that whole it shakes the confidence in the paramedic. You know, uh, a friend of mine posted uh, talking about gun shops uh, today. She said, uh, um, uh, I'm. When I go into a gun shop, I want uh, the clerks to be all ex-Special Forces, uh, uh, USPSA Grandmasters, uh, um, and uh, certified gunsmiths with an IQ of 145. Uh, that's what we want. That's what people want. But that that's unrealistic to expect. In the same way, that the fire chief said, you know, um, uh, we have to be perfect on every call. Uh, the public expects us to to send a couple of road scholars and Olympic athletes uh, to, to every single call. But I don't think that, that that's a realistic expectation. I think we can manage that expectation just fine with some, some communication and rapport building with the family members. If you explain uh, what's going on and, and spend more time talking to the family, um, I think the, the, that problem is, is easily managed. You know, I, I'll pull out my phone and I'll put on my CPR play mix when we work a, a cardiac arrest. I do it every time. I have yet to have someone gripe. Now, I had to take some songs out of the play mix. It's not good to play Let the Bodies Hit the Floor. What do you mean? Wait, 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 wait a minute. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. So what you're saying is you play music during CPR? Oh, yes, indeed. I play Staying Alive and the Imperial March and several other songs. Why? Why? That 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 is that is the most that is the most ridiculous thing I've now, ever heard you, you say. You you trolling now? You trolling? They, they no, here's the thing. Now I can't tell you. I can't tell you that in my head, I wasn't doing staying alive, staying alive. Uh, you know, to my to my compressions. I, I've done that, but I don't think it's appropriate to play that while you're trying to keep, nah, keep nah. freaking time. I have yet. I have yet to have a patient family member. Well, let me tell you what. If you come to or, my or house, I'm going to have people complain. Wonder at it. Come on, man. I I don't know, man. No, dude. Because dude. because it's a because it's a communication thing. I'll take it out. I'll sit it on a flat surface somewhere, and I will say, okay, man, we're we're playing this to help us uh, keep our CPR rhythm so that we can do the most effective compressions on your loved one. And that's really, honestly, that's all. It Kelly Grayson. Kelly I'm Grayson. Serious. Maybe, maybe I'm just better at communicating than you are. No, Chris. you are not. Perhaps, there is no chance of that that's either. the clue. You're um, just, I, I got to hear no, this. I, I want to know. If there's it. ever, if there's ever, if there's ever emails that we get from people about things, this has got to be, in all the time that we've been together, this is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard you say. I'm gonna have I'm gonna have my partner and and other coworkers who work cardiac arrest with me email the show, and tell you exactly that I put it on. No one complains. No one gripes. When I look up stuff, no one complains. No one gripes. Because oh you know God. why? Because I'm not task I'm not task saturated, and I can stand back and be the big picture, non-interventional, direct the work of others, communicate with the family. And ease their emotional. Why not just grief. a why not just a metronome Paranoid. then? Why not just a metronome then if you need it? And why do you even well, need it? We have are you guys are you guys not that trained that you can't do it in your head? Oh no, yeah, I don't want I don't it's just time yeah. to it's time now to end the show. It's time to end the show. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I don't think so at all. But but that's one of those one of those things. And you know, and, and people resist things like a checklist, uh, an airway intubation or resuscitation checklist yet the day shows that it 
effective and it reduces medical errors and it increases performance. So, so why is it that we, we persist uh, in this notion that you have to know it all? You know, I said earlier uh, on, on an earlier show sometime back when we were talking about Brewster Ambulance in Massachusetts getting Alexa uh, installed in their ambulances. Um, and, and, and I kind of criticized and, and cocked an eyebrow at that. Not because they put Alexa on the ambulances. I think that's actually a pretty cool thing to do. Uh, and and as I, AI improves, we're going to see we're going to see this utilized more and more in healthcare. Uh, what what raised my eyebrows is that their protocols are like a three hundred plus page document, which is absolutely absurd if you got protocols that are that are three hundred plus pages. Um, but there is nothing wrong with saying, hey, uh, Alexa, what's the appropriate cardiac arrest dose for calcium gluconate or calcium chloride? Uh, uh, Alexa, um, figure a dopamine dose at 10 micrograms per kilogram per minute for a 230-pound man. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. As the old saying uh, story goes, the guy called the, the uh, uh, air conditioning uh, technician who to come work on his AC, and he, he opens the panel, and he looks in it, for about 30 seconds, takes a screwdriver out, turns a screw and says, it's fixed. He said, how much is it? He said, oh, it was $500. And he said, $500 to turn a screw? He said, no, it's $5 to turn the screw. It was $495 to know which screw to turn. And that's what we need to be, that, that's the, the approach we need to take with the, the care we render. Um, the, the little mechanics of, of what we do, not so important as our, or not less important than our thought processes. Um, and if people, the layperson watching that doesn't understand it, then it's our job to explain it to them. Um, because trust me, it's, it's, it's better for the patient that way. It's my opinion on it. And I think your opinion is wrong, but we're going to let our listeners decide. Y'all let us know. Am, am I on the right track that we need to be using apps and using our references and checklists and, and cheat sheets as often as possible? Or are you going to be like Dinosaur Chris Aguilero? and think that we still need to, to memorize it all and never, ever, ever show weakness in front of a patient's family by looking something up. Let us know your thoughts at the show at ems1.com. And for myself and co-host Chris Ceballero, can't remember what he ate for breakfast this morning. Thanks for tuning in to Inside EMS. We're going to catch you guys next week.